And we are now joined this morning via the WANI hotline by Congressman Mo Brooks. Congressman, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing well. As soon as I finish this interview, I head to the airport, get on the plane, and I'll be in Washington, D.C. Uh, early afternoon. Sure, sure. And a lot being discussed in Washington at uh, this time of year over the weekend, a very busy weekend for uh, for you guys in the House, mm-hmm. passing a, a very large stimulus bill. Talk to us about that. Well, I opposed it, sure. and it's about $2 trillion. Very little of it has to do with COVID-19. Uh, it has a lot to do with, as Kevin McCarthy, the GOP minority leader, says, uh, payoffs uh, to Pelosi's political supporters. And it's most unfortunate that we're going to borrow $2 trillion in order to reward those who, being the socialists they are, supported the Democrat takeover of the House, the Senate, and the White House. But nonetheless, that's what the legislation does. Congressman, a lot of people expected this to go along party lines, and it was pretty close. All Republicans opposed this bill, and then uh, a handful of Democrats. So, I mean, the, the fact that a handful of Democrats even oppose it, what, is, what does that say about this bill? Well, it is hyperpartisan. It's not good for our country. It is a political payback. And the fact that even some Democrats are concerned that they will lose their elections in 2022 if they vote for it, that ought to give you an indication of how bad it really is. But the bottom line is this. We have a $28 trillion debt. This bill by itself increases that debt burden by another $2 trillion. And to put that into perspective, everyone who can hear my voice, your share is a little bit over $90,000 of that federal debt. If our creditors decide that they're not going to loan us more money and they want us to start paying them back, can you cough up $90,000 for every man, woman, and child in the United States of America? And, by the way, if you have to work for a living and do well enough to have to pay federal income taxes, then you have to pay for the half of the country that doesn't, which means, in effect, for a working American who earns enough to pay for income taxes, your share is $180,000 for every man, woman, and child in your household. Can you do it? The answer is no for most no. people, the right. vast majority of people. And that, we're risking a national insolvency and bankruptcy, and we're throwing away money as if it was – uh, growing on trees where you could just pluck it off. It, it, it's financial insanity, but that's where we are. That's what's happening. Congressman, it, it's, this isn't the first uh, stimulus bill that we've seen since the pandemic started. I mean, all of this borrowing money and printing money, what kind of impact do you think this is going to have on our, on our uh, economy moving forward? Well, let me back up for a second. The Democrats were smart enough to try to fool the American people by calling it a stimulus bill It does not stimulate the economy. What it does is it pays people not to work, which is the exact opposite of growing your gross domestic product. And so to give out even more welfare, to encourage even more people not to work, that is not a stimulant. That is a depressant. So I want to emphasize something. We need to try to avoid as much as possible using the socialist nomenclature that, of course, is designed to encourage people to think it is one thing when it is not. And, and I, when I say that, let me add this caveat. Sure. 99% of the people call it a stimulant because that's what the Democrats call it, and that's what the mainstream news media calls it. But in fact, and I have an economics background, it is a depressant because it suppresses economic activity. It does not, in fact, stimulate it. Now, it does help a whole bunch of people who aren't working, so I guess it stimulates their wallets, but that doesn't increase gross domestic product, because those people are not producing goods and services commensurate uh, with
with what they should be if we're going to have a growing and vibrant economy. We're joined this morning by Congressman Mo Brooks for the next few minutes here on Auburn Opelika this morning. Congressman, I know that you've had opinions on uh, President Biden and his immigration plans and his policy. Uh, would you mind kind of uh, informing us on that? Sure. Joe Biden is doing the exact opposite of what we should be doing. America, by way of background, we have far and away the most generous and compassionate immigration policy on the planet. No country comes close. Our highest honor, which is citizenship, we give more citizenships each year than any other nation on Earth. And, in fact, we almost give as many citizenships as everybody else on the planet put together. So that gives you an idea of how generous we are with respect to our lawful immigration policy. So when people say that we're cruel and heartless because we want to have secure borders, that's hooey. That's propaganda. Now, what is Biden doing? He is basically opening up our borders, letting anybody and everybody in so that the taxpayer's burden for these illegal aliens in America, which is now roughly $200 billion a year at the city, county, state, and federal level, that's, that's the net loss to American taxpayers from illegal aliens with all the welfare and all the other benefits that they get, okay? You open up the borders even more, that means we're going to have a worsening uh, deficit at the national level. It means city, counties, and states are going to have to increase taxes or cut services on Americans. It, it's just bad news, and that doesn't even count. The lost jobs, you know, there are fewer jobs that Americans can compete for when cheap illegal alien labor takes it. And when that cheap illegal alien labor takes those jobs, that has an overall effect of depressing the wages of all blue-collar workers in America, such that on average they're estimated, American workers are estimated to be losing roughly $2,000 per year in gross annual income because of the adverse and artificial effect on the labor supply market. So it's just all-around bad news. That didn't even get to the deaths caused by illegal aliens at our poor southern border. You've got 2,000 Americans who are killed each year by illegal aliens on American soil. That will go up as we have more illegal aliens who have less and less respect for the law than American citizens and lawful immigrants have. And you've also got, because of our poor southern border, over 30,000 Americans dead each year from overdoses on drugs that are smuggled across our southern border. This is just from our southern border now, nowhere else. And so for Joe Biden to get as lax as he is, that's going to have horrific economic and life effects on American citizens. But it was a campaign promise he made in order to get the block vote of illegal aliens, which is in the neighborhood of 800,000 to about 1.6 million, somewhere in that ballpark in each election cycle. And that illegal alien block vote played a significant role in Joe Biden winning the election as opposed to losing it. And for those who may not know what I'm talking about, go to the October 22nd nationally televised debate in Nashville, where Joe Biden publicly stated that he was going to grant every illegal alien in America amnesty and then citizenship. That was a calculated statement to get illegal aliens who have illegally registered to vote to vote for Joe Biden, and it worked. Congressman, it feels up to you. What what, what would the uh, what would the policy be for uh, for immigration? Just uh, a lot more strict as far as getting into the country. Well, we already have the most generous immigration policy on the planet, so I do think that we ought to have some modicum of respect for law and order, and I do believe that we should be enforcing the laws that are already on the books. And if we, as policymakers, if Congress, if the American people, decide that we want to expand our already generous immigration 
policies, well, then we do that. But we don't have very generous immigration policies and then allow our elected leaders to thumb their nose at that law by allowing even more in than we already have. Now, this is also part of a power grab. Uh, Socialist Democrats know that illegal alien households are far more likely to be on welfare than our American citizen households or uh, lawful immigrant households. And so you've got a made-for-Democrat voter, and that's the power grab side of it. The Democrats know that if they can get these people amnesty and citizenship, then it's socialism forever, baby. We're joined this morning by Congressman Mo Brooks. Uh, Congressman, I've got to ask the question. Your name has been tied to um, a list of potential candidates for the Senate seat that will become open next year. Have you considered uh, Have you considered putting your name in the hat for this yet? Well, I have definitely considered it. I'm getting a lot of encouragement from across the state. Uh, every poll that's been done by everybody that I'm aware of, now probably a half dozen or so um, that I've been told about, uh, has Mo Brooks at the top of the heap um, with a double-digit lead over anybody else. Now, that's all kind of nice, but please understand that a poll is a snapshot at a moment in time. And uh, what's polling data today may not be polling data tomorrow. And besides that, we all know that polling data is not as trustworthy as it used to be based on the elections of the last four or five years where the polling has been so badly wrong. So I am getting a lot of encouragement. Uh, people, uh, quite clearly, they want a principled conservative. I checked that box. They want someone they can trust to be a principled conservative when they're in office. I have that track record. And they want a fighter, uh, someone who will fight socialism, who will fight for uh, moral values and against amoral values, who will fight to keep us from going into a national insolvency and bankruptcy that would do great damage to our country. Just go down the list, and I check all those boxes. So I'm looking at it very closely, and sometime probably in the month of March, maybe April, uh, I will declare my intention either to run for reelection to the House of Representatives or to run for the United States Senate. But we're not to that point at this at this time to make my intentions known uh, once we reach them. Congressman, if you were to make that decision to run for the United States uh, Senate seat that will be opening up uh, as Shelby is as Senator Shelby is retiring, what does that transition look like? I mean, you, you've got a you've got a, a nice career, a nice resume being as part of the House. How do you transition that uh, to kind of sell to the the, the citizens? of the state of Alabama, that you could be uh, you could be a great senator? Well, the rules in the House are a lot different than the rules of the Senate. The power that you have in the House to protect uh, foundational principles and conservative values in the House are different in the Senate. Right now, in the House, our Republicans are like daisies being hit by a steamroller, okay? There's no stopping the Democrats. Right. But they have the votes. End of subject. Now, we can publicize some of the bad things that the Democrats are doing, but we can't stop them. Majority rules in the House. In the Senate, it's an entirely different dynamic. Uh, first, a senator has a whole lot more in power just by the math. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, a senator is one of 100. In the House, you're one of 435. So a senator, just by the numbers, has 4.35 times more power than a House member normally does. But the Senate also has rules that give a single senator much more influence and ability to kill bad legislation. It's related to the filibuster rule, but there are also rules related uh, to that that in turn give a senator a much, much better impact on public policy. So you have to adjust the way you handle the public policy issues accordingly, uh, given that the rules in the Senate and the rules in the House are so diametrically different. 
Senator Shelby obviously did a lot for the state of Alabama, secured a ton of funding um, you know, from the federal government to all parts of Alabama. What, what is Alabama losing uh, in a senator with, uh, with, with Shelby announcing his retirement? Well, let's be clear. In politics, everything is a two-edged sword. Yes, Senator Shelby brought home the bacon for the state of Alabama in a major way. But at the same time, our debt, while Senator Shelby has been in the United States Senate, has risen from probably something in the neighborhood of 2 to $3 trillion to $28 trillion. So I'm going to be someone that's going to go under the Ronald Reagan principle that a rising tide lifts all boats, and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that America does well with confidence that if America does well, Alabama will similarly do well. And so my focus is going to be in this most challenging of times to try to make sure that America continues to be the greatest nation in world history. And that's going to be my goal, and that's exactly what I'll work on if I'm in the United States Senate. And just as an aside, when I say these things, there's something I'd like for your listeners to keep in mind, two things, actually. Number one, no one in the history of Alabama has successfully carried the Republican banner in general elections more so than Mo Brooks has. That's number one. So I have a track record that you can look at, and the people I represent like that track record. And number two, I've had out of 14 elections that I've prevailed in where I'm carrying the Republican banner, 11 have been for re-election to a position that I was once elected to. In no instance has a challenger ever broken the 40% mark against me in those 11 elections challenging me, whether it's a Republican primary or a Democrat against me in a general election. And I mention that to emphasize something that a lot of people down in South Alabama don't know, and that is that apparently the people who I represent like the job I'm doing based on the re-election rate and the margins of victory uh, that they give me when I'm up for re-election. And if I run for the United States Senate, I will commit to the people of the state of Alabama that I will do for them exactly what I've been doing up here in the Tennessee Valley for many, many years. Congressman Mo Brooks joining us this morning. Thank you so much for your time, Congressman, and uh, would love to chat with you in a few weeks. My pleasure. Thank you, and, and War Eagle. War Eagle, that is Congressman Mo Brooks joining us this morning. We continue Auburn Opelika this morning next.